one. Hey guys, welcome back to the Tackles and Turnovers podcast. I'm your co-host Steven. I'm here with Andrew and we're here with our fourth episode where, you know, the draft is in the books. We've already covered all that for you guys. Now we're going to start taking a look at some of the uh, interesting signings that have happened in the last week or so around the NFL. We have some quarterback movement. That's um, something that, you know, we definitely want to get into today. We're going to talk a little bit about some guys that are still available, including two former number one picks. And then we're going to start our division by division tour, starting with the NFC East. So, you know, that's a, a division that has a lot of talented players, a lot of big personalities and, you know, some historic franchises still searching for Super Bowls. Uh, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Redskins, and the Giants. We're going to cover a little bit about their rosters, what they've done this offseason, and then kind of looking ahead, our predictions for how that division is going to shake out. So starting off today, we're going to get into uh, one of the main quarterbacks signings that uh, you know people have been following all offseason. We've been kind of waiting to see what happens with this guy, and that would be Jameis Winston, um, You know, former number one pick by the Buccaneers. Five yes, years later, and a ton of interceptions later, including the first ever 30, 30 club member last year. Jameis had truly one of the most historically confusing seasons I've ever seen by a quarterback. Um, led the league with over 5,000 yards passing. He also led the, inter- the NFL with 30 interceptions. So Tom Brady came in and replaced him in Tampa. Jameis Winston was kind of left flailing around. No one really seemed to be going after him. Understandably, there were some concerns about the turnovers and whatnot, some of the maturity issues. And he ends up landing with the New Orleans Saints. And he signed an incredibly cheap deal, $1.1 million for one year, uh, basically to serve as Drew Brees' intern is what I wrote on sportscasting.com. You can check that one out. And, uh, Andrew, I kind of want to get your thoughts about the fit for Jameis. You know, we've seen Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you know, kind of spend some time on the bench learning from Drew Brees and Sean Payton, you know, two excellent offensive lines. What is Jameis going to get out of this one year in New Orleans? Do you think they have any idea about whether he could possibly succeed Drew Brees? Or is this kind of a case of just securing, you know, a really high-end backup? Uh, what are your thoughts about Jameis, the, the contract, the fit, and where he's going to end up, uh, you know, next year? Right. Possibly? Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you are talking about how it's the most possibly confusing season that a quarterback has ever had, you know, coming in second in the league in touchdowns with 33 and then leading the league in interceptions with 30. I don't think I've ever seen a number that high. Um, Something we try to keep fresh is we don't really talk about you and I, we don't really talk about things until we talk about on the podcast Um, just in order to keep that a little bit fresh. Um, But I think that um, Javis Winston signing with the saints is probably the smartest thing he's done since he's entered the league. Um, and, you know, obviously it's because, you know, Sean Payton is there. Drew Brees could be a mentor. You know, he signs only a one-year um, uh, $1.1 million contract that's guaranteed. And I heard there's a few extra money, few extra millions there um, for incentives. But if you look at it, that's – Jameis Winston's only 26 years old. Drew Brees maybe has two more years left on the tires. Um, so I think this could possibly be a, a home run hit for the Saints going from Drew Brees passing the torch on to Jameis Winston, who's still young and could still run the offense. We you clearly see it with his 5,000 yards passing and 33 touchdowns. The problem is, obviously, and we all know this the interceptions, 
Um, and we kind of got a glimpse of that with Bruce Arians and James Winston in his first year there. Um, when you have a capable, offensive-minded head coach um, leading someone young, you know, you you heard the stories with Dirk Cutter and trying to, you know, make Jameis Winston turn the ball over less. Um, but I think I think we already know what Jameis Winston is. I think he's kind of like a Brett Favre mold there a little bit. Um, I was speaking to my father a little bit about it, and, you know, I was just thinking, you know, I haven't seen much – exactly like game tape or anything on Jameis Winston, but 30, 30 interceptions is a shit ton. And you know, how many times is it that you've seen maybe him throwing it, throw it up into double coverage or him like straight up missing. So, you know, if you could take at least half of those interceptions and put them in a touchdowns, that would be amazing. And again, I didn't get to see much of the tape, um, but most of the interceptions happened in the red zone. Um, and that's what it is with James Winston. One thing that I saw, um, there's a lot of people clamoring about hey, how Taysom Hill um, would be the backup of Drew Brees. So it would be Drew Brees, um, Taysom Hill, and James Winston on the depth chart. I believe that's absolute bullshit. But, you know, people could say whatever they want. Taysom Hill is purely there, I feel like, as a gadget player to help um, – add extra dimensions, I guess, to the offense, if you want to use those terms. Um, but there's no doubt that Jameis Winston has to be the backup in the New Orleans. Yeah, I agree with you there. He's definitely done enough in his career to show that he's a legitimate NFL quarterback. You know, those turnover issues even dated back to his days at Florida State. So it's not like it's something new. It's just something that he's never been able to get coached out of his game or whether it's his own mindset. And I don't think there's anywhere else better that he could have landed other than possibly with the Patriots, but I never <laughs> saw that happening. But, you know, in terms of being surrounded by the right environment, you know, New Orleans is the, the right place to be for him. Um, I definitely think he's got to be number two on the depth chart. I'm not really sure if he ends up succeeding Drew Brees because he's only on that one-year deal. But then again, um, you know, who knows what will happen if he doesn't really end up having to play, you know, does that really help increase his value next year? The Saints obviously <laughs> – re-sign Taysom Hill to a two-year deal and um, it's for a decent amount of money as well with 16 million guaranteed with the possibility to make up to 21 million dollars to me I think that was a horrible signing I don't understand it I think they're way overpaying for a guy that literally has never thrown a touchdown pass in the NFL so for Sean Payton to be coming out and saying in the offseason that they view him as a franchise quarterback I think that's a huge stretch there I think he's a really cool gadget player that you know has a a place on the team that's so unique, but I don't really see how you could assume that Taysom Hill is going to take over, um, you know, let's say Drew Brees lasts a year or two. I just don't see any track record of him as an NFL passer to really think that that's a better plan than even putting Jameis Winston ahead of him. So that's just a definite um, interesting quarterback room for sure. A lot of talent in there and a lot of different skill sets, but We'll kind of see how that shakes out. I definitely see the Saints being an NFC favorite this year with a very, very strong overall roster. And obviously, they secure themselves a heck of a backup option behind Drew Brees, who has had a few injury issues in the last few years. Um, Obviously, last year with a thumb injury that kept him out, gave Teddy Bridgewater the opportunity to start, and he really ran with it, did well, earned himself a nice payday with the Panthers. Um, Speaking of quarterbacks on the move, uh, another big domino fell this week obviously the Cincinnati Bengals took Joe Burrow with the first pick and uh, I think we both agree that that was a uh, you know a no-brainer selection there I think he's going to be a stud 
And that obviously left Andy Dalton uh, kind of with uh, without a future in Cincinnati. They released him, and it didn't take too long for him to land back on his feet. But I would definitely say this was not a team I expected to sign him. But when you really think about it, I think this was an excellent move. And it kind of sent a message to their incumbent starter. So Andy Dalton ends up signing with the Dallas Cowboys on a uh, one-year deal. I believe there's $3 million guaranteed. He has another $4 million in incentives, similar to Winston, where he can earn a lot more based on production. Um, obviously, the Cowboys already have a what they would consider a franchise quarterback. They did use the franchise tag on Dak Prescott, but they have not been able to work out a long-term deal with him so far. You know, there's been a few offers. Uh, some of them have been declined by Dak. Uh, there's been issues about the length of the deal. Um, you know, I think Dak is a good quarterback. I definitely think he's, you know, somewhere in that top 10 range, you know, top 10, top 12. Um, but for me, I think the Cowboys landing Andy Dolan at that price with the weapons that they have, which I would argue is probably the best supporting cast overall when you factor in the offensive line, which is really, really strong. They have Ezekiel Elliott, who's, you know, probably considered a top three running back in the NFL. You have Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, and then they added CD Lamb. So for me, getting Andy Dalton that, you know, three million guaranteed and even at seven million tops with those weapons, I think that that's a home run signing. And it, it definitely puts a little pressure on Prescott because if I'm the Cowboys, and I can get Andy Dalton at seven. Would you explore trading Dak Prescott, who's currently under the franchise tag, or looking maybe to a, for a team that might be willing to trade for him and then sign him to their own deal? Um, and then you can take all that money that you were going to allocate to Dak, and you can even go out and sign a Jadavian Clowney or someone like that. So, you know, what are your thoughts about Dalton landing there? Is he a real threat to Dak's job, or is he just, you know, a nice insurance policy or, you know, a real solid backup because – you know, Cowboys fans have seen in the past when Tony Romo went down um, how bad it can be without a backup quarterback. Everyone knows that backup quarterbacks are really a, a, a truly important spot on the roster. But, you know, I personally think that Andy Dalton could do 75, 80 percent of what Dak Prescott could do at literally 10 percent of the price. So for me, I think if I was the Cowboys, I wouldn't be upset at all with Andy Dalton being my starter with those weapons. I think they could definitely do nearly as well as they could with Dak. So what are your thoughts on Dalton landing? And uh, Right. Well, Dallas? the crazy thing is we went from talking to the guy that led the league in passing yards with 5,000 to now we're talking about the guy that came in second with 4,900. Um, so I like it's, it's been such a crazy off season. Um, I don't, I, I totally agree with you. Any Dalton to the, to the Cowboys, you know, it's it's the it's we so far we could probably label this the year of like the backup quarterbacks, and I feel like it started first when the Eagles, also in the NFC East, uh, drafted Jalen Hurts, uh, which we'll probably get into later on in this podcast. Um, but again, it's I feel like it started there, and a lot of well, also with Nick Foles too in Chicago and how they're gonna you know, be battling it out there for the starting quarterback job. But, you know, but it, again, it's the year of the backup quarterback. Everyone's trying to make sure that they have a, a plan B just in case their starting quarterback goes down, which I recommend, you know, you know, if how many times do you see an offense go down with their quarterback and then not be able to spark it back up um, with a backup? So I totally agree with you. Andy Dalton, um, it's not even just that he could be a backup. He could totally lead a team. He, he led the Bengals with 204 touchdowns. 
He has he's second in their in their uh, franchise with passing yards of thirty one thousand, and most fourth quarter comebacks of twenty for the Bengals. And you know, yeah, oh, it's the Bengals. You know, who have they had a quarterback? I mean, Boomer Sison hasn't been a bad quarterback. Carson Carson Palmer, who I loved growing up, um, was there. So I think Andy Dalton's a good add there. Um, I don't think that Dak Prescott is going to be traded or anything. I think Dak Prescott's their franchise quarterback. Um, I think they're just haggling over a mill or two. Um, I think that's going to end up getting squared away. Um, but again, you know, I, I don't see them moving away from Dak Prescott just because they signed Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton has kind of, seeing how this year is going crazy with COVID-19 and everything like that. And I feel like he kind of just wanted to sign with the Cowboys, no matter what the deal was. Um, I, I don't know if I'm confusing quarterbacks, but I think I heard something about him turning down lesser options or something like that, just so he could sign in Dallas. I know he has a home in Texas. Um, so I think maybe he's just taking a year to, you know, put another pin in the jacket. Maybe the, I mean, we'll talk about it later. I have high hopes for the Dallas Cowboys, but I think maybe he's probably trying to lay low one year and then probably attack the free agency market again next year. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, again, I don't think Dak Prescott's going anywhere, um, and I love that they were able to get any dawn so cheap just in case Dak Prescott goes down. Yeah, I definitely agree there that, you know, they did well to secure a guy that obviously has starting experience in the league. He was – the starter in Cincinnati for almost a decade. And I think Andy Dalton's first half of his career was extremely underrated. And you saw what happened when he was surrounded by good supporting talent, when they had AJ green and Tyler Eifert and Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill, Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanu, you know, he was a, a decent, you know, I would say, you know, he obviously earned three pro bowl trips. I wouldn't necessarily say he's a pro bowl quarterback, but he is a definite, you know, above average starter at his best. And I think with those weapons, he's, you know, more than capable of, leading Dallas to 9, 10, 11 wins. Good insurance policy for Prescott. Ultimately, I don't see how they don't get a deal done. But for now, you know, that definitely should give Cowboys fans some relief in case something crazy goes awry. Um, you know, speaking of a couple other guys that are, you know, free agents that have not landed with new teams, we have two former number one picks, including a quarterback that, you know, a lot of people probably expected would have been signed first before Jameis Winston. And Andy Dalton, considering his uh, impressive resume, Cam Newton is still available, as is J. Davion Clowney, the, uh, you know, former Seahawks pass rusher, Texans first overall pick from 2014. You know, what does that kind of say about the NFL draft? What does that say about their career, that two former number one picks who have been pro bowlers? You know, I would argue that Clowney's career has definitely been a disappointment you know, when you consider like the the hype that was surrounding this guy coming into the NFL, you know, they said he was the next, you know, Lawrence Taylor, you know, a Hall of Fame lock. I think, you know, sacks don't tell the whole story, but I'm sorry for a guy that was the number one pick in a draft that also produced Khalil Mack. Jadavion Clowney doesn't even have one season with double digit sacks in his NFL career. He has 32 sacks since entering the league. He had a, had a ton of injury issues, um, you know doesn't really get after the quarterback like a lot of people think um i i don't think it's surprising at all that he's still available i you know i'm I'm sure he had an exorbitant price tag in mind you know there were a lot of reports around the time that free agency was going to begin that he wanted 20 million dollars a year i actually wrote about it a long time ago before free agency started that 
uh, an article for sportscasting.com why Jadavion Clowney is not worth a $100 million contract. I don't like to call myself Nostradamus, but I think I hit the nail on the head, and a lot of NFL teams agree that this guy's just not worth that kind of money. He is not a franchise pass rusher. He has a ton of, you know, injury history, uh, a, a long injury history. Um, and I just don't really see how this guy has ever truly impacted the team and turned them into a championship contender. Now, I'm not saying he's not talented. Everyone knows he's a physical freak, but it just doesn't translate on game day. And I kind of feel the same way about Cam Newton, where – he kind of seems to have an overinflated opinion of himself and, and truly he hasn't changed his team's culture or, you know, really asserted himself in recent years. I mean, Cam Newton, the last time to me that he was dominant was the year they, the, he brought the Panthers to the Super Bowl, And that was in 2015. He had shoulder surgeries and, you know, he's had a lot of injury issues as well. And it's, it's kind of interesting to see two former number one picks that can't even find jobs. And maybe that's because they're asking for too much money. I'm sure they're going to land somewhere. Maybe they're waiting for, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing to figure itself out, like see what's happening with training camps and whatnot. But, um, you know, what do you make of those two guys being available? Do you see any teams that they could be a fit with? And, you know, overall, what do you think of Cam Newton and Jadavion Clowney as, as number one picks? Were they bust? Are they okay? You know, do you think they've lived up to that billing? Because for me, neither one has. Um, especially Clowney. I think he's been a major disappointment. Yeah, um, although I agree with you on the amount of money that I would sign for Jadavion Clowney, I wouldn't give him $100 million. Um, I don't think he's – you can't just pay a player just off of, you know, potential. You have to go off potential and, you know, what they've done in the league. And you're right. He hasn't, he hasn't amassed double-digit sacks. He's come close to once in 2017 uh, with 9.5, but, you know – a player like Jadavion Clowney probably isn't striving for double-digit sacks, like, at the least. You know, a player like that, we were expecting to maybe have, like, 15, you know, 15 to 18 range. Um, but with that being said, I feel like um, the Dolphins um, restructured Albert Wilson's deal, um, and now they're sitting at 30 to $35 million. Would I take a gamble on Jadavion Clowney for maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, 15 mil i feel like i would probably do that um i feel like it would probably have to be like a two-year deal or some something like that but i feel like if i were running the dolphins i would probably try to do something like that um but you know this guy has you know he has to lead the league and fuck the plays up stats you know or if not leading like he's probably definitely one of the top five in terms of fucking the plays up stats um, and it's unfortunate that they don't keep those, like, you know, and when I say fuck the plays up, I mean, like, make the quarterback roll out of the pocket and have to throw the ball away or, you know what I mean? Yeah, apply pressure, pressure or something, uh, you, know, you know, bat the ball uh, yeah. down. But, you know, unfortunately, we don't keep track of that. And this guy has to be facing, like, double teams. I I heard someone come out and say that um, he helps the team so much because everyone's so paying attention on Jadavion Clowney. Um, but you know, we don't get to really watch much of him cause he's in Seattle. So, you know, it's hard to see him there. Um, but in terms of Cam Newton, uh, what so up and down Cam Newton, I went from liking him to hating him, to loving him, to hate him. It's such a roller coaster ride and you have, you have to feel like teams probably feel the same way. You know, when he's, when he's winning, he's, you know, flying around the field with, you know, his hands like a jet and doing the Superman thing when he rushes in for a one yard touchdown run. 
Um, but you know, when he's losing, he's moping and has a towel on his head and, you know, so do teams, do teams see that? I feel like they have to, um, I don't know if I'm necessarily willing to call him a bust yet. Um, but is he living up to the expectations of being the first overall pick? I would say no. Um, it would be interesting to see where he resigns. A lot of people are saying the Patriots. I don't think that you're, I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. A, B, I don't know if you would like that to happen. I don't think you would like that to happen. Cause I don't think he fits kind of that offensive mold there. Um, I thought his good fit there with Los Angeles, the chargers, I thought that could have been a good potential landing spot, but that's the door's probably been closed on that. Um, what other opportunities did he have? I don't think, I don't think he really has had much. I know he's been told that, I know he said that, um, he got released relatively late. Um, so that kind of hurt his chances with signing a team earlier there, uh, especially before the COVID-19 thing happened. Um, but in terms of bus, I don't know if I'm willing to go there yet. Um, how do you feel about it? Do you think Cam Newton can go to the Patriots? We always hear about all these quarterbacks trying to go to the Patriots, and I feel like we just have to accept that Jared Stidham is probably going to be their guy going forward. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, my feelings are that Jared Stidham is definitely the guy, the way they really haven't tried to bring in legit competition for him. I, you know, Everything you're reading now that's really come out after the draft is that they're really high on this kid. They really want to give him an opportunity. Um, it's kind of an opportunity to shift their offense a little bit to some a new direction without Tom Brady there. Um, I also don't think Cam Newton fits their mold as far as stylistically or with his attitude. Although I have written a piece for sportscasting.com about why Bill Belichick and Cam Newton could be a good fit, considering his history of, um, you know, kind of giving guys a second chance to resurrect their careers. You know, he did it with Darrell Revis, Corey Dillon, Randy Moss. So it's definitely something that wouldn't be foreign to the Patriots, but I just don't see them bringing him in. I'm not, I don't see him being a good guy you want around a young quarterback like Stidham, who's, you know, trying to establish himself and, you know, prove himself. Um, the, the real fact is there really aren't a lot of opportunities out there. I mean, most teams, if you look at the depth charts around the NFL, have a pretty solid starter. They either have an aging established veteran, a guy like a Breeze, a Brady, a Rivers, a Rogers, or they have a recent draft pick in the last few years. You know, in the NFC West, you got Goff and Murray, um, even Jimmy Garoppolo to a degree, you know. Um, you got Carson Wentz, and we'll talk about them in the NFC East. I mean, even in the in the AFC, you got Mahomes and Drew Locke, who are young. You got Gardner Minshew. That's possibly the only opening I could see. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson's a young guy. Baker Mayfield's young. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold. The whole AFC East is full of young quarterbacks. So I just don't see, like, a logical fit for Cam Newton um, as a starting job. So it's, it's kind of going to be interesting to see where he lands and whether it is to be a backup or whether it's to be a mentor or whether some quarterback gets injured. Maybe it's going to be that kind of situation. Um, but it's it's crazy to think that, you know, only a few years ago, we, you know, Cam Newton was one of the most popular players in the NFL, you know, an MVP type of candidate. And now the guy can't find a contract. So that'll be interesting to follow. Um, you know, that's going to kind of do it for us as far as the free agency aspect of the of the episode today. And now we're going to kind of start heading into more of a season outlook, a season preview, um, reviewing what they've done in the offseason. We're going to start with the NFC East. So we're going to start from the bottom and kind of work our way up. Um, I would like to start here with the Washington Redskins, who, um, you know, you're taking a look at their offseason. 
first pick uh, that they had was obviously the second overall pick, and they took Chase Young, uh, no-brainer there. I think the guy's a stud. Um, gives them incredibly that front seven is going to have uh, let me see, five first-rounders up there with Montez Sweat and Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, who are their last three first-round picks. They also have Ryan Kerrigan, who's aging, but, uh, you know, a guy that's been a consistent pass rusher over his career. And now you add Chase Young. That's five stout, you know, defensive front seven players, all first-round picks. Secondary is not super strong, but, you know, I think that defense is going to be, you know, lights out up front. Hopefully they kind of have that sort of San Francisco 49ers mold of building up the defensive line and putting pressure on quarterbacks. That kind of alleviates the need to have such a, you know, talented or expensive secondary. But that offense to me is just something that I'm not really too excited about. Dwayne Haskins is largely unproven. The offensive line is really not very impressive. Um, And even his weapons, I mean, I'm not getting excited about, you know, 57-year-old Adrian Peterson in the backfield. Um, Darius Geis has been injured his whole career. Um, I think he's more of a name at this point. I do like Terry McLaurin at wide receiver. He had a really nice rookie year unexpectedly. But uh, to me, the Redskins are still easily the worst team in this division. And it really all depends on what Dwayne Haskins can do. Um, You know, Alex Smith was the guy until, you know, he suffered that terrible leg injury. I kind of wrote about his recovery, which if you haven't heard the story, this guy literally defeated death, um, had a flesh-eating bacteria in his leg, had to go undergo 17 surgeries. But I don't see him, you know, returning to the field until next year at the earliest, if, if at all. I mean, the guy's lucky to have his life, let alone his leg. Um, but, Andrew, you know, kind of where do you see the Redskins going? Uh, I'm not high on them at all, personally. I, I expect them to be picking in the top ten again next year, maybe even right. top five. Um, you, definitely, you definitely got every, hit every point there. Um, you know, with Ron Rivera coming there in his first year there, I, you know, I feel like I really want to like this team. I just think that he's – inherited such a broken roster um his strength is definitely that d-line i mean they're definitely trying to do something in the mold of what the 49ers did with all their first round picks there um but again the the defense is probably gonna have to carry them and there's major question marks with their cornerbacks um and dbs um do you trust Dwayne haskins going into like his year two i would say he takes maybe a baby step forward, but, you know, I don't know how I feel about Dwayne Haskins yet anyways. Um, you're, Kyle, they brought Kyle Allen in there to, you know, back him up, and I don't think he did that well in Carolina anyways. Um, what Alex Smith has gone through is is remarkable. I mean, read your article, watch the ESPN, whatever they did on it. I forgot what it's called. Project 11. Project 11. Yeah, Dude, it was pretty I, incredible. We played rugby, and I've never felt like throwing up more than looking at his leg just laying there and how it's so deformed. Like, wh- what he's been able to do is crazy, and, you know, all, all the props in the world go to him. But unfortunately, I don't think the Redskins are going to do much this year. They may be picking in the top of the draft as well, maybe fighting for Justin Fields if – all go doesn't go well with Dwayne Haskins or maybe they can even get with Trey Lance or Trevor Lawrence. We'll see what happens there. Um, do you want me to go with the next person or do you want to go with your list there? 
No, you take it away. I mean, I'm I'm assuming we're gonna if we're starting from the bottom, then we don't have to go much further up to yeah. go to the Giants, who picked fourth overall, and they're just a dumpster fire of an organization. So, why don't you start us out with your thoughts on the Giants? <laughs> you're, you're very uh, you're very critical there on the Giants, dude. <laughs> I mean, I I watched two Super Bowls get stolen from me from fucking Eli Manning's, you know, dumb face and lucky ass throw. So. No, yeah, I'm not a giant so fan at all. I think we actually kind of disagree here for once. Uh, I think what they're kind of building, and I, I, I'm with you there. I don't like the Giants at all. Um, it's, I think it's just a New York thing with all of their fans being so freaking annoying. I wrote something. There's an Instagram post on um, uh, Daniel Jones, and I'm a big fan of Daniel Jones, and. You know, he had a beautiful law pass when he took over for Eli against the Buccaneers. And I write, you know, but he has no arm strength, dot, 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 dot. And in typical New York fan style, everybody is just, you know, clowning me, putting I'm a clown, uh, like saying, but he's so elite. So, like, I everything I feel about Daniel Jones, I just want to just, throw it in the trash and throw it in their face because I just absolutely hate New York fans. But anyways, um, I actually am pretty high on the Giants. Um, I like that they drafted Andrew Thomas there to solidify or help solidify that offensive line that signed Nate Soldier from your beloved Patriots. Who I <laughs> We were glad to let him go, yeah. obviously, because he's yeah. not worth and that money. They pulled off a trade for Kevin Zeitler uh, for Cleveland. Um, and I think Will Hernandez they drafted last year. <clears throat> so I think they're putting together. I think they're just trying to draft huge men and stick them on their like offensive line and defensive line. Um, I know they took um, uh, Dexter Lawrence last year. Um, and I think, yep. That's a Dave Gettleman special. <laughs> if anyone knows anything about Dave Gettleman, there's, there's, there's two things you got to know. One, the man doesn't trade down in the draft. I think he's now drafted for at least 10 years, and he's never traded down once. And number two, he fucking loves big boys. All right, he basically only spends first-round picks on on offensive or defensive linemen. He traded for Leonard Williams, which made absolutely no sense because now they are overpaying this guy who's not a pass rusher at all. They took him basically a nose tackle last year in the first round in Lawrence, and now they take another offensive lineman. He's going out and signing offensive linemen left and right. Problem is that most of them actually suck. They're not even good. So I don't. I mean, at least at least you can't fault Dave Gettleman for 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 trying. I mean, the guy sticks to his guns. Just those guns pretty much end up shooting himself <laughs> in the foot. Yeah, and you know, having Evan Ingram there, I like that as a weapon. I think we can both agree Saquon Barkley is probably one of the top two best running backs in the league. Um, but I mean, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree there. I mean, you're definitely yeah. right with, with Dave Gettleman yeah. and his like backwards thinking, like mentality of just drive drafting big men and, uh, drafting quarterbacks that all look like the Mannings and work with David Cutcliffe. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, let, let me just go off on a thing about Daniel Jones right now, because I have all stats up right now. This guy, I do not understand how this guy went six overall. This guy should have even been a six-round pick, all right? He played – first of all, yes, he played at Duke, all right? A school that is much better at putting a ball in a, in a fucking net than it is trying to cross over a fucking <laughs> pylon, all right? But this guy, in three years as a starter, had 52 touchdowns, all right? 16 in his, fresh, his redshirt freshman year, 
Then he had 14, and then he had 22. 52 touchdowns over three years. Okay, that's basically about one good year for Tua <laughs> if he didn't bust his hip out last year, okay? Look, even Dwayne Haskins, his seen, his last and really his only year starting at Ohio State, he threw 50 touchdowns in one year. Joe Burrow threw 60 in one year. And this guy, Daniel Jones, threw 52 in, in, in three years. And that's not even the worst part about it. when you look at just his stats. He finished 59.9% completion percentage i don't know about you but when i was in school that meant you failed that's literally 0.1 percent below a d all right so right now daniel jones you kind of are doing horrible you barely your completion set percentage is barely above the number of total touchdowns you ever threw which is embarrassing third of all he played let me count right now he played 36 games and he threw 29 interceptions all right this guy is just an absolute joke of a, of a first round pick he should have never been the sixth player taken his college stats are just he didn't even hit 3,000 yards once, all right? He is, in actuality, when you look at his stats, he actually declined every year in passing yards. Um, so I just think he's just an absolute joke. That was a huge mistake by taking him number six. Um, that's the reason I'm not a fan of the Giants. I think their offensive line literally cannot be any worse than it's been. They've devoted so many resources there that it has to be better. Saquon will benefit from being behind that line. But Evan Ingram is always injured. He has a lot of receiving talent, but always injured. Golden Tate is getting up there in years. Sterling Shepard, I don't know when the last time that guy actually made a reasonable or impactful catch. <laughs> All right. I don't like the weapons. I hate Daniel Jones. <laughs> they have no pass rushers on their team. They literally have no pass rushers up there uh, in, in their front seven. Leonard Williams has been a huge bust, uh, originally drafted by the Jets. Uh Dalvin Tomlinson is a very solid nose tackle, but um, the last time a nose tackle got a sack was like 1984. And Dexter Lawrence, I'm sorry, the guy's just basically, I would equate him to like a Vince Wolfork light, and Vince Wolfork was not a pass rusher. He was a run stopper. So Dave Gettleman, get your head out of your ass. It's not 1999. It's 2020. You have to win with the passing game. So start by drafting an actual quarterback. Get him some real receivers. And maybe try and get after the passer. I mean, for God's sake, I'd rather them gone after Davy and Clowney than trade for Leonard Williams. I mean, I think they're an absolute wreck. I think Dave Gettleman, the the fact that he's still employed by an NFL team is a joke. I don't know what what skeletons he has in the closet from their ownership. Um, I'm just honestly shocked that the guy even was able to draft like on using your laptop. I mean that. I mean, right there, he should have went. He should win Executive of the Year right now for for managing to get all of his draft picks in. Bro. So that's going to do it for the Giants because I'm about to you know, raise my blood. Uh, that was a fire right segment, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's, that's got to be saved in the all, all-time archives of um, just the Dave Gettleman uh, rant. Oh, of, of man. Uh, so as everyone can tell, I am not a fan of his team-building strategy. Um, uh, and, no one, and no one can argue, so, too, we're gonna because move it's on all to... factual. Like, you just you, – there's straight facts, numbers. Facts, dude. Like, I am spitting but, like, facts. How do you right. – like, I, I'm, I feel – I felt going into this optimistically about the Giants. And, you know, I, I – like, I, as I texted you last night, I stayed up all night last night watching tape on Daniel Jones, watching tape on um, – this quarterback from the Broncos, Drew Locke. So, like, I felt like I was high on these players, but, dude, you totally took my feelings and just completely shot on them, dude. And that was a fire fucking segment, bro. <laughs> I appreciate that. I spit the truth, all right? So, uh, no, go Giants, all right? Go Big Blue, all right? So, 
All right, we're going to move on now to um, – and, and these two teams to me are, are very, very strong. Um, you know, both of them have had success in recent years making the playoffs. Um, one of them is undergoing, you know, some transition at head coach, and the other one, you know, they, they have a pretty solid infrastructure. Um, so, for me, I'm going to – we're going to start with the Philadelphia Eagles because I think the Cowboys got to be the favorite, but we'll get into that in a, just a few minutes. So, for the Eagles, you know, they're off season. If you take a look, a lot of their starters are back. They haven't really had a ton of turnover there. Obviously, uh, you know, upgrading a corner by trading for Darius Slay was a really nice move. Um, you know, I personally don't think that he is like a top five corner, but I definitely think he's top 10 and he he, he will help. Um, they have an excellent defensive line. They added Javon Hargrave uh, from the Steelers and they have Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett there. They had Malik Jackson on the bench. They have uh, Hassan Ridgeway on the bench, uh, Josh Sweat. So they have a lot of depth on the D-line, which is something that they've really, uh, you know, focused on over the last few years, dating back to even when they uh, beat my Patriots in the Super Bowl. You know, that defensive line really won them that game. Uh, on the offensive line, they are also very, very strong. Andre Dillard uh, was their first-round pick last year. will be taking over as a starter for Jason Peters. I think he's going to be a stud. Um you know, they got Jason Kelsey there, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks. So they have a very strong offensive and defensive lines, which is why I think that they are one of the best teams in the NFC. And maybe Dave Gettleman should take a look. And that's actually how you should draft along those positions. Get guys that can get after the quarterback, and that will make a big difference. Um, now, the issue for the Eagles is, you know, obviously the big storyline coming out of the draft. Number one, they took a receiver in the first round, Jalen Rager, at number, uh, you know, I believe he was in the 20s that they had their pick. Probably not a guy that most people thought would go that early, but, you know, they obviously did try to give Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts, whoever you <laughs> want to put there at starter, um, a weapon. Um, you know, but the big thing for them is health to me. This is a team that in the last few years, it seems like every year they're, they're having some major injury issues. Um, last year, their weapons were basically all on the sideline. So now they're relying on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Alshon Jeffrey, and Deshaun Jackson to stay healthy this year. None of those three stayed healthy at all last year, and that really hurt Carson Wentz. And speaking of getting hurt in Carson Wentz, the guy once again saw his season ended by injury, and that really, to me, was the reason why they went with Jalen Hurts in the second round, a very surprising pick. We covered that one on, I believe that would be episode three of um, our podcast, Tackles and Turnovers. But to me, I think he's going to end up playing this year because I don't trust Carson Wentz to stay healthy. Um, Overall, I think they're a really talented team, but – to me, they don't have great depth at the skill play, skill positions, and to me, I would have a lot of hesitancy to put my faith in Carson Wentz staying healthy for all 16 games and into the playoffs because the guy has ended each of the last three seasons um, you know, with a serious injury. Uh, but talent-wise, I still think the Eagles are up there. So where do you, where do you see them going this year? Can Carson Wentz stay healthy? Uh, what do you think of his weapons and, you know, are they going to be able to challenge the Cowboys? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely a big Carson Wentz fan. Um, but again, the injury concerns are there. And once again, uh, we saw that rear it's ugly ahead last year. Um, but there's no doubt that this guy could lead your team. Um, it's just him having to stay healthy and know when to go down. Um, they have the best tackle. They have the best right tackle. I should say Lane Johnson, um, so their own line is definitely very strong. Also, with Jason Kelsey, um, Andre Dillard, obviously, as you mentioned. Um, and holy shit, I just saw Malik Jackson that they just fucking got. So good luck trying to block Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox. Oh, and then you have Brandon Graham on the outside. So that D-line is fucking stacked. I don't know 
I don't know if I would have gone with Jalen Rager. I would not have gone with Jalen Rager at wide receiver because I would have probably gone Justin Jefferson. But I don't even know if I would have drafted a wide receiver. I would I probably would have drafted a linebacker like Kenneth Murray um, or even like Patrick Queen because I'm looking at their I'm looking at their linebackers right now. I can't I don't even know like one of them. Like TJ Edwards, good luck with that. Duke Riley, good luck with that. So, you know, that these are your linebackers going into 2020. Um, you could probably get by because your defensive line is so stacked. Um, but you know, this is why they're second in the division. Um, I think that they lost Jordan Howard probably does it's definitely not gonna help them, even though I know. Miles Sanders is definitely like an up and coming young running back. Um, But I don't think Boston Scott is going to be a very good number two there. Um, But you're definitely right. They're definitely lacking in skill position. Um, But, you know, if Carson Wentz can stay healthy, you know, I think that they can probably go to a lot of wins there um, in the NFC East. Um, and that leads us to the number one team. And I think I'm going to start us off here with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm in love. I feel like I love their roster every freaking year. And for some reason, dude, like I'm pissed because I feel you with the David Gettleman shit because the Dallas Cowboys are like the exact opposite, bro. They draft so well every fucking year. And like we talk about them and talk about them and talk about them. And they're nowhere to be seen, and you can't, you can't have Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. The the list goes on and on, dude, with players that are elite at their level, at, at their position here, and that they draft so well every year. They just refilled their defensive line with Neville Gallimore, who I think is really good, out of Oklahoma. And, oh, yeah, they got Don Terry Poe as well to go with Gerald fucking McCoy. So, you know, if they can't win the NFC East and at least make a bid to go to the Super Bowl, like, I I just don't want to hear about the Cowboys anymore ever in my lifetime because I always end up really liking this team. And I'm not a Cowboys fan at all, but I always like their players. And, you know, they always end up falling flat on their face. And I know I can't even – I'm so, like, heated right now. I can't even remember the fucking coach that they just fired. But Mike McCarthy – Jason Garrett, yeah. Uh, fucking Garrett. mediocre as shit. Should be just labeled. Um, yeah, we're going hard in this podcast. I don't know what's going on with us, but maybe the COVID-19 is getting us. But, you know, this guy should be like Jeff Fisher's fucking son-in-law <laughs> because the guy can't. Dude. The guy... Oh, Lord. Yeah, bro, you want to talk about Shot going 7-7? Seven seven? That's fucking Jason Garrett. And Jason Garrett, all, like I just said, always has a great team full of star players especially at positions that you need star players at and just never is able to win anything i mean by god they got jalen fucking smith dude sean lee i know he's always hurt but they got lane vander esch like that defense is fucking stacked can you win a super bowl please i'm done all right i'm gonna let you calm down there because you made my uh dave gettleman take look you know pretty soft compared to that but um i agree with you 100 percent. i think the cowboys have Fucking a top always, in the nfl dude. um there are, really aren't a lot of weaknesses their offensive line is great they have the best set of weapons i wrote about this in a few different articles for sportscasting.com but you know we've already talked about the dalton signing and dak prescott and whatnot but this roster is extremely strong 
Now they got Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCord, Don Terry Poe. And like you mentioned, Gallimore kind of backing them up. Strong defensive line, strong linebackers. I mean, if anything, I would say the secondary is a little bit of a concern. But, you know, getting Trayvon Diggs in the second round was a steal. He could be a starter as a rookie. I think for them, for them it all comes down to the head coaching uh, spot. And that's where they were so weak for so many years. And Jerry Jones probably cost himself at least a, a title or two, you know, even dating back to Tony Romo being there because of how bad of a coach Jason Garrett was. Uh, I mean, to me, the the only rememberable thing that he did was just clap on the sidelines um and then by the end of it players literally walked by him and just kind of left him hanging so i mean i'm sure people have seen that before um the guy was just an embarrassment and apparently jerry jones thought that he had suddenly adopted jason garrett and that was his son and he couldn't fire him but um if my son was that mediocre i would probably have just like fired him as well um i think mike mccarthy is a really nice hire for them uh, because he has a super bowl pedigree I think he was really underrated with the Packers, and I think Aaron Rodgers, as we are seeing now, is actually the problem in Green Bay. And, yeah, that's a bold take there. I think Aaron Rodgers is the most overrated player in the NFL. Um, I think he, he's done absolutely nothing to show that he's even remotely at the same level as Tom Brady. I hate how he gets compared to him. The guy's won one Super Bowl, only been to one Super Bowl. Um, and the Packers in general have underachieved tremendously with him and Brett Favre. They had basically 30 years of – of having arguably, you know, top five quarterback talents in the league. They've only won two Super Bowls, um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we're going to stick to Mike. I think Mike McCarthy, when you look at his track record in Green Bay, um, led the team to the playoffs in eight straight seasons. I honestly don't think besides Bill Belichick, there's one coach in the NFL right now who could also make that claim. So Mike McCarthy, to me, is the exact kind of guy that Dallas needed because he's going to take no shit from any of those players. And I think they're going to be really, really, really good this year. I would definitely say they're the favorite to win the NFC East. Um, the new playoff format's going to make things a little different because only the number one seed gets the first round by. But I definitely see Dallas competing for that. Um, I think this is a team that should easily easily win 12 games, maybe more. Uh, and it just is going to come down to coaching and whether their defense can hold up because I think their offense is going to be absolutely lights out. I think they're going to be draft any of these guys for your fantasy team. I think they're all going to be awesome. I think they could, they legitimately could have three 1,000 yard receivers. I think Cooper and Gallup should easily have a thousand. And I definitely think CD lamb has a chance at that as a rookie. Zeke should be much better because he's going to have a lot less pressure in the box. Cause they're going to have to respect that three wide set. Um, to me, I would pretty much play a three wide as their base offense. And you have Zeke in the backfield. You have a decent tight end and Blake Jarwin, who's actually pretty underrated. Um, and I think that they're going to be scoring at least 30 points a game fairly easily. And that defense, it'll put a lot less pressure on them. Um, it's basically just don't fuck up. Uh, so I think Jerry Jones has had a, an excellent offseason, honestly, for him. You know, he the only thing is the DAC issue. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to work that contract out. But um, I think on paper, the Cowboys have the best roster in the NFC East, a top five roster in the NFL. They're going to definitely be in the playoffs. They haven't won a Super Bowl since 1996. It's a really long time. Jerry Jones is getting up there in age, 77 years old. I kind of feel bad for the guy. He's also kind of like a really arrogant asshole. But at the same time, I think like they, he's finally gotten the formula right. The coaching staff is really solid. The roster is really solid. They have a franchise quarterback. I think they've gotten rid of a lot of guys that have had those kind of attitude issues. I think this is a, a team that's a, actually a little bit blue collar for the most part. I mean, there's not a ton of like huge personalities on this team. You know, yes, Zeke is out there a little bit, but like even Amari Cooper's a pretty quiet dude. Michael Gallup's a quiet dude. 
Um, you know, the offensive line, like none of those guys are like these controversial personalities. Dak is like pretty much a go to work kind of guy. So I think this is a team that they've really changed the culture and Mike McCarthy is only going to enhance that. So I would not be surprised to see them making a very deep playoff run and possibly, you know, representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, that's going to do it for us here on the fourth episode of uh, tackles and turnovers. You know, we discussed some of those free agent moves, those quarterback moves with Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, you know, what happens with Cam Newton by the time we have this episode, you know, up and running, maybe he'll find a home, but you know, We'll be up with the fifth episode coming to you guys next week, and we'll see if Cam Newton lands somewhere or Jadavian Clowney. And, um, you know, hopefully you guys will, you know, give us your feedback on the podcast. Let us know what you think about the NFC East. Are you a Cowboys fan? Um, are you joining me in um, the Dave Gettleman, you know, funeral that I just threw today? <laughs> his career is over after what I just said about him. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to talking to you guys and, you know, getting your feedback about the podcast, anything that you guys want to hear from us, want to hear me rant about more, want want Andrew to weigh in on, let us know. And thanks for listening. And, um, you know, this will do it for us on the fourth episode of Tackles and Turnovers.